0: take a seat we'll turn to god's word now um to 2 timothy in the new testament chapter four looking at verses one to eight it's page 1197 of the bible is in front of you to timothy chapter four Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them like a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also all to have longed for his appearing. Darren. Thanks, Ben, for
1: reading to us. Shall we pray together? Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Why do they do that if you go and stay with a, a friend or a, another family? it probably won 't be long before you 're asking that question because people do weird things don 't they? Have you noticed they, they have weird routines yours of course, are, are totally sensible and logical but but other people's i mean just take having breakfast with them. Is it a relaxed, sociable time enjoying good food, good conversation or? Is it more like a whirlwind where, where they're hurtling round, snatching bits of food in between hunting for endless lost things and shouting instructions up and down stairs? I won't ask what I find tomorrow morning if I came to stay at your house, but you get the idea, don't you? People have weird habits. And, and they become so much a part of how they do life that they rarely stop to wonder, why do we do that? And church families are, are much the same. And so now and again, it is helpful for us to pause and, and think for a bit about the things that we do together week by week. And that's what we're doing in, the, in this series over the next few weeks that we're calling Any Given Sunday. And today, we're thinking about... Well, we're thinking about that thing that you just started to listen to a minute ago, this, this funny thing that we call Preaching. Someone like me, standing up and, and speaking at you for the next 20 to fifty minutes or so, um, ever wonder, why do we do that? Is that really the best way to help all of us to get to know God better? Aren't there different things we could do? Couldn't we give our time on our own for some quiet reflection on, on the passage we've just heard? Or, or couldn't we split into groups and share our collective wisdom? And yeah, we we could and group bible study and personal devotions they can be brilliant things that's why we have midweek small groups and why there are free bible reading notes for you to grab on your way out by the door but in this passage that ben just read to us a minute ago what the apostle paul is stressing did you notice to this christian leader timothy that he must do week by week to help the church to grow verse two is to preach the word. And the context of this letter is really important. These are maybe some of the last words that Paul ever wrote. He's in prison, probably under sentence of death, sensing, verse 6, that his life's work, helping to build Christ's church, it's nearly over. And so he's focused on what must come next, what God's precious but weak and fragile people will need most vitally if we're going to keep going and keep growing into the future. And that's what he's passing on to Timothy here and through him to generations of church leaders that will follow. And notice the seriousness with which he does it. Verse 1, how he calls God himself as witness as he gives this solemn charge, impresses on Timothy that it's a matter of life and death that people's eternal destiny, how they'll face their final judge, how, whether they'll be welcomed into his eternal kingdom, that that's what's at stake in how seriously we take this call to preach. And if it's that important, well, then we mustn't go through the motions, must we, me as I speak, or, or you as you sit and listen week by week. We need to be clear what preaching is and why we need it. So let's think about that together for a few minutes now from this passage and and from some other parts of the New Testament that we'll look at and see three things about preaching. It's authority, it's gift, and it's challenge. So firstly then, let's see the authority that preaching has. That word preach there in verse two its a word that means to be a herald. And you probably know that in the ancient world, a herald was a messenger, sent by a king to announce his message, to to declare it with authority, but with a borrowed authority. Maybe more familiar to us today is a similar image that Paul uses elsewhere, that of of an ambassador you know what that is, someone who is sent by a head of government, maybe, maybe a prime minister or a president, to, to speak on their behalf. So picture, if you can, later today, the UK ambassador walking into the office of another world leader to, to address the current horrendous crisis in Gaza. And now imagine him saying, well, it's a good job I'm here, because I've been thinking hard about this all week, and it seems to me that the best thing to do in Gaza is... And you know that's wrong, don't you? He'd be laughed at. Who do you think you are? Because nobody cares what the ambassador himself thinks. And so, of course, he doesn't say that, does he? No, instead, he says something like, this is what the UK Prime Minister says. And as he does, he's listened to, because his words come with all the authority of the one who sent him. And that's the kind of authority that preaching has, borrowed authority. I'm not here to to share my brilliant ideas this morning or to to speak with my own authority, because I don't have any. Lots of you are much cleverer and wiser than I am, and and there's no reason at all that you should listen to me. So it's going to be a short sermon, isn't it? Except insofar as I stand here and preach the word. That's God's word, coming straight from God himself with all the weight of his authority. And that changes everything, doesn't it? if what you're hearing right now through my voice are the words of the creator and ruler of the whole universe, if that's true, you'd be crazy not to listen, not to receive the message being preached to you as Paul says to the Thessalonians, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. So how can you tell? Well, by seeing where I'm getting it from, whether it comes from where Paul points Timothy in the verses right before our reading. Just flick back to, to, to Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Where's it to come from? From Scripture. The words of the Bible that Paul calls their God-breathed. God's words, breathed out by him through human beings the Old Testament prophets, the New Testament apostles and faithfully written down and preserved for the church for all generations so that you and I can be totally confident that the words of this book come as directly from God's own mouth as my breath comes from mine. Timothy, he wasn't an apostle. He couldn't speak for God directly and no human preacher can today don't ever trust anyone who claims to but when a fallible preacher like me stands up and faithfully shares what God says in this book well then listen because it's God's word coming from God's mouth with all of God's authority and that means that that you've got a tricky balance to strike as I preach haven't you? On the one hand, to, to listen carefully, to, to weigh what I'm saying, to be sure that it really is what God's word says. That's why we encourage you to have a Bible open and see for yourself where I'm getting it from. But at the same time, there's a challenge to listen humbly. Not be so busy evaluating, ticking the bits of the sermon you like, crossing the bits that you don't, that you never stop and submit to its authority and maybe that's particularly a danger for for some of us if we have jobs during the week where we're always well in charge sifting the data interrogating options making decisions and then it can be hard on Sundays can't it to switch that off to stop being the boss and humbly submit to God's word and maybe that's one reason why We're to hear the Bible preach to us, not just to read it ourselves or talk about it in small groups, good as those are, but because I think it's easy for us to do those things and stay in the driving seat, feel like I'm still the one in control, sitting over what I'm reading, whereas faithful preaching comes and confronts us with an authority from outside of me. And it helps me to bow my stubborn heart humbly under the word of my king. The authority that preaching has. And then secondly, see the gift that preaching gives. Because it's possible for us to acknowledge God's authority as his word is preached. And yet, imagine that God himself is somehow distant from it. That he's approving of it commanding it but keeping at arm's length and then it's easy to start thinking of preaching in cold and impersonal terms kind of like a a weekly download of god-given information for me to process and true god's word preached isn't it's not less than information there are things we do need to know and understand and act on but it's much more than information Because with the coming of Jesus, we discover that the word of God isn't ultimately a what. He's a who. The word. Who who from the beginning was with God and is God. God the Son. The word eternally spoken from God the Father. The word who creates and sustains all life. The word who became a human being, perfectly revealing God to us up close and personal. And do you realise that he's the word who comes to us in this funny thing called preaching? Not a what, but a who. We proclaim him, Paul tells the church at Colossae, because every faithful sermon speaks forth Jesus as every single part of the God-breathed written word leads us to him, God's living word. If you're still in 2 Timothy, flip back a page and and see how Paul starts the letter, how he describes the message he's preaching there. See what it says, chapter 1, verse 1. He calls it the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And you know, don't you, that promises are powerful things. Because a promise, it isn't just words. It's a personal commitment. There's a sense that you give yourself to someone when you make a promise. You'd have witnessed that beautifully if you'd been here last Saturday at Angus and Elisabeth's wedding. As the two of them stood and made their vows to one another, all that I am, I give to you. All that I have... I share with you. In that moment, they weren't just relaying useful information, were they? Angus just thought that would be helpful for you to know. It's not what's happening. In their words of promise, they were giving themselves wholesale and lifelong to the other person. Those promises, they weren't just data. They were the most intimate gift And we'll listen to preaching quite differently when we realise that's what the Lord Jesus is doing to his bride, the church, any given Sunday as his word is preached. He's not messaging us from afar. He's coming close and giving himself to us as he speaks his gospel vow. All that he is his perfect goodness, trustworthiness, and love. All that he has, the sin-covering, life-giving righteousness he's won through his death on the cross and his rising in glorious resurrection, all that, all ours, as he gloriously, graciously gives himself to you and to me in his promise. And when we grasp that, We'll no longer listen to sermons with, out of duty, but increasingly with delight. Start to see preaching as the ordinary but astonishing means of God's grace, of Christ the Word coming to us, not because we've spent the week making ourselves lovable or done enough to pass the test or get ourselves into his good books, but because he's vowed to love us in all our mess and sin, and he will never break that promise. So have you come this morning, weird as it sounds, like a bride on her wedding day, eager to meet him, delighted to trust yourself to his love and care, because he is the gift that preaching gives But then finally, see as well the challenge that preaching is. Because if Timothy's going to go on preaching this glorious good news message of this good news God, then Paul knows that he needs to realise that all too often, we won't want to hear it. And why? Why would that be? Well, look back at chapter 4 and the end of verse 3. Paul says, it's because we have itching Ears. That's a funny idea, isn't it? But, but you know what it's like, don't you, to, to have an itch? You know, maybe just out of reach, halfway, halfway down your back. It's, it's maddening, isn't it? You just want to scratch it. And, and it's hard to think about anything else when you do, because all your attention and your energy goes on trying to reach that itch, even if it's harmful. Maybe maybe you've had a dog who's needed one of these, a scratch collar, to to keep it from, from scratching a wound and getting it infected. Because the, the pull of the itch is too strong, even though it's bad for them. And Paul says that all of us, by nature, are like that in our listening. Itching to be told what we want to hear. What all Give us what we think we need. What will pat us on the back? Tell us we're in the right. Affirm us in the choices that we want to make. And so we'll be drawn to voices that will scratch that itch. For Timothy's listeners, that was the latest trendy teachers. And for us, well, there are so many things, aren't there? The friends we choose, the, the TV we watch, the influencers we follow, the social media we consume... And so it's so easy for us to build an echo chamber around ourselves that only ever tells us what we want to hear. Scratching the itch. No matter the harm it might be doing, the infection, it might be letting into the wound. No matter if all the time it might be keeping us from hearing the word of truth, the only thing that can fix what's really wrong. Last year, some, some friends of ours, their teenage son was diagnosed with something called scoliosis. It's where, where the spine starts to twist and, and curve to the side. In his case, so severely that it started to affect his breathing. And so he needed an urgent and painful operation to, to straighten his spine, to force it back into its right shape. The operation, it sounded horrendous. I don't imagine that he or his parents wanted to hear anything about it. But it was the only way back for him to healthy, normal growth. And the Bible's diagnosis is that all of us have a similar problem. Not curved spines, but curved hearts. Twisted, selfishly, in on ourselves and away from God's life-giving goodness. And ultimately... It'll kill us unless God's word comes to straighten us out. And do you see in verse 2 what Paul tells Timothy his preachings to do? To correct, to realign our twisted thinking, rebuke, pull us back from the wrong things that our hearts are chasing after, encourage but not just patters on the back, but urging us to live God's way, even when that's hard and it hurts. They're painful sounding words, aren't they? No one, no one enjoys being corrected or rebuked. And, and preachers like me need God's help to do it, do you see, with, with great patience and care, just like I'm sure those surgeons showed with that young lad. And all of us need God's help to listen to it. When his word is faithfully preached to us any given Sunday and that painful but urgently needed challenge, well, it's the last thing we want to hear. Do you remember the last time a sermon challenged you like that? Well, next time it does, will we ask for God's help not to push him away but to submit to his authority, trusting he knows what's best? and receive the gift of his loving presence, the word of God himself, our Lord Jesus, drawing close, coming to graciously straighten out what's wrong with us with his own wounded hands. Let me give us a moment to be silent and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Father thank you so much that you love us and so you speak to us you speak your word and in that word you give yourself to us Lord Jesus you come and you you straighten out all the things you know are wrong and you come to give us your life and your righteousness thank you for the gift that preaching is. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the band uh, to come back now. We're going to continue to respond uh, to what we've heard in our words of a final song, a song that invites us to be praying that God would speak to us and that through his word he would build his kingdom. So let's stand as the music starts and sing. Let your kingdom come.